So this morning we're on uh, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10 through all the way to verse 13. If you're there, would you all stand? Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. Here's the word of God. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can. Do all things through him who strengthens me. Amen. Father, we thank you for our time to open our hearts against your word. Father, I pray, may your will be done in spite and despite of my shortcomings, my weaknesses. Will you cover that and make your name known to your people? Father, please. Declare your truth. Pierce their hearts. Encourage them and convict them in a way that you will regain their full trust. That you will be the Lord, the King of their lives. Not that the Lord and the gospel and our mission here on earth is some sort of a cherry on top on our Sunday, but rather it is the core where we begin all things. And your only, your word, only your word can make that happen. Not human words, but yours and yours alone. So we come before you, not to hear man's word, but your word. So will you declare your truth and help your servant? to deliver your message. And may your people with open, humble heart to hear you and receive your word and may it grow and bear fruit. We pray that, precisely that to happen in our lives, in our hearts. So Holy Spirit, lead us and bless us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So church, what we have this morning in chapter 4, verse 10 through 13 um, is a passage that contains a very much uh, well-known, beloved verse in the Bible. One, I could arguably say this could be uh, the favorite verse, Bible verse, for many people amongst Christians. 4.13 says, I can do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. That's ESB. You know, some of you know and memorize this in NIV. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That would be NIV. This is a verse that is so well known amongst Christians, but I will tell you, even among non-Christians, this is a popular verse. And I believe over the past few years, I can do all things is somewhat of a common phrase that non-Christians do know 
and they don't even know that it's from the Bible thanks to Stephen Curry. If you know that story, if you don't know who Stephen Curry is, he plays for Golden State Warriors. He's a basketball player. And what he does on his Snickers, every single one of them, whether he practices or he play on game day, he writes with a Sharpie, I can do all things, quotations. I can do all things. And this is not something that he's been doing since his college days at Davidson. Whether he went through difficult times early on in his career and consider as a game changer now as one of the best shooters in the NBA, in all NBA history, he never fails to write this phrase because he wholeheartedly believes in it. I can do all things. That's as far as he writes, but there are many times he shares his testimony and what it means to him. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, that's the verse that we um, have in mind today. But not just that one single verse. We're going to explore the entire passage. Now, before we do that, I want you to um, consider this story. Uh, not true story, but it is a hypothetical story. Now, imagine two boys playing basketball, and they happens to be on um, opposing basketball teams. And these people, these two boys, don't know each other, but they love basketball. They dedicate themselves practicing and playing. Yet, they have something, another common uh, thing that they have, both of them, and they are both Christians and raised in Christian homes. Um, and they were taught to love God. And they naturally both grew up learning about the Bible. In fact, they both loved the same Bible verse. Can you guess which one it might be? 4.13 is their favorite Bible verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So they committed themselves to memorize this, whether they dribble, whether they shoot, whether they eat. This is something they cherish in their heart. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, it was a game day, and the game proves to be a fierce competition. The boys played their hearts out. Everything they got, they left it on the floor. They play hard. And as they play, as they prepare and play, they were both fortified, energized with the same thought, the same belief in their heart. I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me that strength I need. Now, guess what? Though, At the end of the day, at the end of the game, only one kid and his team will win. Only one. And on the way home, these two boys will each have very different, completely different thoughts in their mind. One will tell himself, wow, amazing game. Wow, God is awesome. I, I knew my God will come through. I knew he will do these things for me because I believe he really gives me that strength I need. And I believe that I'm... 
wholeheartedly relied on him and he delivered. He delivered. What an awesome God. What an amazing game, he thought. But on the other hand, in his car ride back home, the other boy would think quite the opposite. Where was God? Where was this God? Where was God when I needed him today? Today. I thought I can do all things with Christ. I can do all things, he said, through Christ with his strength. Maybe his strength is not strong enough. Maybe he doesn't keep his words. Maybe he doesn't love me, he thought. Hypothetical story. But could it happen? What do you do with a situation like that? What do you do with a person, a Christian, believes in the Bible and an attempt to live a life based on this verse, wholeheartedly believed and cherished it, yet the outcome failed them? What do you do? How do you deal with that? And in this hypothetical story, which boy is correct? Which one out of the two, you will say, had a proper understanding of this verse and a proper application of the verse? How do we understand this particular verse, which is very well known? How do you understand it? What does it mean? How would you apply Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How would you apply that into your life? If I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, what does that mean? Does that mean that I will never have any problems? Does that mean that I will never have any obstacles, any defeat in my life, and my life will be a smooth sail that I can face all my obstacles, and every time I will come out on top? Is that what it means? Does that mean that you and I can do any wrong? Anything, everything we set out to do, we will prevail. We will win. Everything, whether it's a simple casual play to a serious matter, you will never fail. You will win. Because you can do anything and everything through Christ who strengthens you. Is that what it means? Is that how we should understand this verse and apply it into your life, my life? Church, this verse is one of the most misused, or dare I say, abused verses in the Bible. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When we take the scripture, the Bible, out of its context and try to use the Bible how we see fit, we can easily set ourselves up for a very big failure. In fact, by doing this, we can misunderstand God. By doing this, we can have this twisted, disoriented view of God that we practically ruin our own faith because God is not meeting our disillusioned, wishful expectations. 
And the next thing you know, we begin to doubt the word of God, as that boy did. And we begin to question God's ability to keep his promises. And ultimately, we question and doubt his love for us. So for us to properly understand this beloved, beloved verse, we really have to understand the context in which Paul is describing this manner of life, in which what Paul is really trying to convey to the Philippians, that is something that you need to understand before you understand fully what 13 meant to you, means to you, and how you apply that. Then and only then we can really, truly apply this truth into our lives. So what is the context? Oftentimes when you consider difficult verse, you need to consider the context. And when you think about the context, you need to think about the, the book itself, the letter in its entirety. And before you do that, you even have to consider author and the audience. Who is the author? In this case, it's pretty simple. He disclosed himself as the author. Paul was the author. And we all know Paul's situation, don't we? He was sitting in a prison cell. And we, with uncertain possibility, he didn't know whether he was going to be executed or released. That's Paul. That's the context. Now, what about the audience? Who's the audience? We know that too. Philippians, Christians in the city of Philippi. And according to Acts chapter 16, guess what? Paul and Silas uh, were in Philippi and they converted a woman named Lydia. And that's how the church started. And but Paul and Silas were imprisoned when they uh, uh, cast the demons out of slave girls in Philippi, and this slave girl happens to make a whole lot of money for her master by fortune-telling. That was the side effect of the demons, right? When Paul and Silas cast demons out of her, what happened? She could no longer fortune-tell it. And the master got mad, reported, beaten up, and thrown into jail cell well, where they set Throughout the night, praise God, rejoiced, and the doors were open, and they remained seated. And the jailer who thought Paul and Silas escaped were about to kill himself, Paul says, do not harm yourself. And through that experience, jailer fell on his knee. I want to know, I want to have what you have. And he was converted. And not only him, his entire family to Christ. And this is how the Philippian church was born. And it was continuing, it, it continued to grow under Paul's care. That's the big context, right? Now, with that, in the letter, beginning in chapter 1, Paul encouraged the church to stand firm united as one in Jesus Christ with the same love, with the same mind, with the same faith. And then encourage them to uh, just continue faithfully running the race, running towards the goal, having that hope 
And he also, coming into this chapter, do not be anxious, but pray. Um, pray about everything. And then as we shared last Sunday, fix your minds on things that are excellent, things that are praiseworthy. And when that happens, the peace of God will enter into your life. And that peace will guard your hearts and minds. That's context up to this passage, right? And here comes this passage. Before 13, there's verses 10, 11, and 12. Let's look at that. Immediately, the passages, I mean, the passage, the verses that follow uh, before verse 13, Paul is rejoicing greatly, isn't he? He is rejoicing greatly in the Lord for his beloved friends, his friends in Philippi. And he is rejoicing because of their generous gifts that satisfy his needs. He rejoices for their concern, their love, their care, the support they have shown to him. And then he shares his secret. Secret for him uh, to remain uh, joyful. The reason why he rejoices. Regardless, it is not to do with his, their gifts or their support. Regardless of happenings in life, as he sits in jail cell, he says he rejoices and he shares that secret in verses 11 and 12. What is the secret for Paul that allows him to remain joyful in the Lord always? Paul's secret in life was content, satisfaction, learning to be content, learning to be satisfied no matter the circumstances. No matter what is going on in his life, he remains joyful and, and he rejoices at all circumstances, always because of his contentment that he has. I'm going to read that verse, uh, verses 10 through 12 one more time. Let's pay attention. Here you go. Uh, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So Paul says, yes, I am thankful, grateful for your gifts, your love. But then he uses that opportunity here at the concluding portion of the letter. He uses that to teach the Philippians a principle they, they should have in their heart. They, they should never lose. Something that is central for every Christian. No matter what your situation is in life, learn to be content. Learn to be satisfied. Learn to be content whether you are well-fed or hungry, whether you are rich or poor, whether you are strong or weak, whether you are healthy or not. Learn to be satisfied. 
And then Paul continues to be content in every circumstances to, uh, for you to deal with every struggle in your life with joy and peace. It's actually built upon this one important truth. And he introduces that in verse 13. You can do this. You can rejoice. You can remain content because I, you, can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Because Christ strengthens you to be what? Be content, to be satisfied in where God has placed you. This is a context. This is the context of verse 13. What is he talking about? Invincibility? That you can set out to do everything and you, it's like a spell? Some sort of a magical spell. I can do all things with Christ who gives me strength. So you, you set out some plan for you and you will never fail. Everything will come true according to your wishes. Or is he talking about something entirely different? As he sits in a jail cell without knowing what's going to happen in his future. And to the Philippians who is dealing with persecution of their, because of their faith. He says, rejoice, remain joyful. Regardless of what is happening before your eyes, remain happy and be blessed in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know how you can do that? You can do that with his strength, through him who strengthens in you for you to remain happy, for you to be joyful. That is the context. He's talking about contentment. What Paul is saying in verse 13, I have learned to be content in any and every situation because the Lord is the one who gives me the strength. Therefore, I am and I will be content. What he is saying is to live is Christ, to die is gain. Earlier, 121, right? Philippians 121. You know how I can say that? I can live that life. Living is my pleasure, my privilege. And I can rejoice in no matter what the situation is because my Lord Jesus Christ will strengthen me. His strength is mine for me to say it and live it like that. I could be satisfied in where God has placed me. He's saying Christ is more than enough for me. Christ is more than enough for me. I'm satisfied. Therefore, I can rejoice in the Lord. Not occasionally, not sometimes. When things align, no. Always. Folks, as we talked about in the previous verses, let's face it, it's so easy for us to be anxious. It's so easy for us to be consumed by worries in life. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do? Things are happening. I need to deal with this. What are we going to do? Where are we going to get the money we need? Where can I find the time to get all of these things to, uh, to be done? How is this going to work out? And when we don't see a way, when we can't figure it out, we get nervous. And we get afraid. And I can guarantee you, 
that in that moment, joy is the last thing on your mind. When that fear, what ifs, or all the concerns and anxiety hit you, joy is the last thing on your mind. For you to be satisfied and be at peace, just simple fact that you are in Jesus Christ and Lord's peace is in your hearts and mind, and you are satisfied with that alone. How do you do that? Paul says, verse 13, you can do this in all situations, in any and every situation, you can be content in the Lord Jesus Christ through him who gives you strength. Paul says we can rejoice no matter what happens. We can be content regardless of happenings in life because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So contentment, the satisfaction is that inner peace, not the you know, Kung Fu Panda type of inner peace, Buddha type of inner peace. This is a quiet confidence. Nothing in this world can shake that away from you, that confidence. It's that peace, no matter what the outside is waging war against you, nothing, whatever happens outside of you does not affect your inside. That peace, that confidence. And it comes through Christ. What that means is it comes with the right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. In the relationship when you're off, no matter what the reason may be, how, where it started and what was the cause, when that severes, when something happens that triggers that mistrust, misunderstanding, it's hard for you to be at peace with that person, to be right with that person, to be in tune with that person. This peace, this confidence comes when you are right with the Lord Jesus Christ. When your relationship is on point, knowing and believing that he is good and faithful. He is gentle and lowly as we speak. That he will give you the strength because he is caring for you. He can just turn you away. He, he could, cannot wait to jump in where you are and rescue you. When you know and believe that God is in perfect control and he does all things well. And he means all things for your good. And you believe that. And you have that understanding and it carries over to your life and you live like that. How can he not strengthen you? Provide all that is necessary for you to continue to live a life in that mentality, in that faith. Contentment, that satisfaction, that peace that he's been talking about is centered on a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ who gives all you need for you to belong to him, for you to live your life, to serve him, to follow him, to love him. 
So let's understand Philippians 4.13 properly. It's not so much about having that strength to do whatever you wish, whatever you want. This is not a, some sort of a magic dust that you sprinkle over your plan and then it will come true. That's not 4.13. Not really about getting rich or being successful or winning the game. This is the verse about having the strength to be content when we are facing the monumental obstacles that we can deal with. When we are faced with great needs, this is the verse that you turn to. Lord, satisfy me. Give me that peace and confidence, assurance that where I am, the relationship that I prioritize with you, is that right relationship. It's the right choice. So help me to overcome all of these that's happening, which is outside of my control. Help me to feel your peace, experience your joy. And may I live it like that. And Paul says, you can. Because I can through Christ who gives me strength to do so. This is not a magic spell from a guy who would say to live as Christ, to die is gain. It doesn't make sense at all. You can't take that out of the context and say, this is what you believe as Christians and you will prosper, you will be successful in things that you would like to be. Uh-uh. It's about having faith in the Lord who sees and know your needs more than you do and provide and satisfy your need accordingly, according to his plan. That is what 413 is about. Here's another thing that in this context we need to understand. Something about contentment. Paul says here, Contentment, being satisfied in your life in every, any and every situation is something you need to learn. Is this automatic because you believe in Jesus Christ? I mean, we're talking about Paul. Met the Lord, heard the Lord, personal experience, right? Greatest apostle possibly, arguably, right? And he goes, I need to learn to be was it automatic for Paul? Was it natural for him to be satisfied and be peaceful and rejoice in his current uh, predicament? No. Even Apostle Paul himself had to learn how to be content. And what does that tell us? Same thing. Contentment, being content and satisfied in life is something we need to practice and train ourselves for us to get there. Paul said he had to learn to be content. Something we all know about Paul, some of you already know, Paul uh, has some sort of a physical ailment, weaknesses, right? One particular weakness that he called it as what? A thorn on his side. He had that thorn on his side. So he pleaded to God three different occasions. Not for his own sake, not for his own health, because it is holding him back in terms of preaching the gospel, traveling many miles, and it is causing him, hindering his 
gospel endeavor. So he pleaded to God, God, because I know and I believe you can take this away. A thorn on my side. Three different times, the apostle pleaded to God. What's the result? God says, no. Your grace is sufficient. Instead, God chose not to change his circumstance. Instead, God would give him strength to overcome that thorn on his side. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. I forgot to give that to Tim. If you can pull that up. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. This is what Paul says about that. After he pleaded to God three different times, Paul says, but he said to me, Christ said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast, Paul says, all the more gladly of my weaknesses, about my thorn on my side, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses. I am content and satisfied with insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. I am content. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How is this possible? Thorn on the side. How is this possible? Paul says, through Christ who strengthens me. When I'm weak, he is strong. This is a perfect illustration of what Paul is teaching in Philippians 4.13. Yes, you can rejoice. Yes. You can be content. Look at me. Where am I sitting in a jail cell? Do I know what's going to happen? And I'm writing to you. How many times I have to say rejoice because I am rejoicing in my current situation in the circumstances that I am. I dealt with this thorn on my side and pleaded to God, pleaded to God, pleaded to God. God answered all my prayers except this. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. This not removing, but he will give him strength to deal with this thorn on the side. This is how God provides the strength and power to be content when life is not ideal. When your life is not ideal, not according to your plan, he gives you the strength and power to be at peace, to have that confidence. God is still by myself, by my side, leading me, navigating me through these difficult times of my life. And it's fate. It's so easy and tempting to think that we can rejoice and be content when we have everything. When everything goes well. Nothing in this world will ever satisfy our needs. And nothing in this world will satisfy our lives. Being content is not about how much you have. Being satisfied is not about how much you have accomplished. It's not about the world. The people of this world tells you. It's not about that. 
if you think about, you know, your uh, uh, contentment, your satisfaction in life comes from others' praise or their recognition of who you are, what you have done. It's going to be a very difficult life you're going to live. Look at Paul. You know what the world's assessment for him? He was an elite of elite. He had background, education, everything, all the credential he had. If he lived this life, he would be one day the high priest. That was the kind of credential he had. To the world standards, you, you wasted all the opportunity. Everything you possibly have, you wasted for this dead guy who died many years ago. That would be the assessment. And after you hear that, will you be satisfied and content? Paul was. I mean, look at Jesus. This guy did something amazing, turning water into wine, bringing dead and fixing all the sickness and healing every one of them and teaching everybody that, that just put shame Bring shame to the religious leader. No one can dare speak to him. And they never heard and seen anything like that from a person. And what happened to him? He didn't even see his mid-30s. Died on the cross. Loser. That would be the assessment of the world. What else did you expect? And when you hear that, will you be satisfied? Because the Lord Jesus was more than satisfied to do the Father's will, obedient. He was content, more than content, happy to be in his will and carry out the plan that God has for him. How do you do that? The strength, the peace, the confidence that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, from God himself will allow you to be content, operate with this quiet confidence. 4.13, properly understood and applied, this is powerful. This is a powerful verse. Remember that you can be content and find strength to endure all things because it is Christ who gives you that strength. And when you are content and you're content to rely upon Christ and wait for the Lord, for him to come and rescue you, then he will be truly glorified, magnified in your life because his strength will be on display in your life. His power will be on full display in your life for all to see and they will see the glory of God and praise the Father. This is a promise. I mentioned Steph Curry earlier in the sermon. And if you look up and if you, yeah, you haven't followed his career, his first three years in the league was miserable. A couple of ankle surgeries. And he was drafted for his size. He was thin. He was small. And he you know, shot three-point after three-point. And at that time of the NBA, that was just uh-uh, unheard of. You don't do that. But he persevered. And it's worth looking into his testimony. He doesn't say, I can do all things because of his success and things that when the games go well and he had a great season. No, 
I can do all things whether or not nobody, everybody doubts me and everybody doubted him. No big school recruited him. That's why he ended up in a small school, Davison. I never heard of it until Steph Curry arrived. He persevered because of Christ who strengthens him. Pretty good testimony, I said. It's not about success. It's not about winning the game. It's about being satisfied where God has put you and you persevere, you endure, knowing this is the route that God has chosen for you. And you remain faithful, hopeful, peaceful, satisfied, content, not by your strength, not anyone's strength, but strength. Christ supplies for you. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Is that how you understand this verse? How would you apply this in your life? Can we take a moment to pray? Something that is heavy on your heart. Something that you are desiring something that you're working towards, you need answer from God. And because of this, it is so difficult for you to be at peace. It's so difficult for you to feel that confidence that the Lord is by your side, that the Lord is guiding you. Will you come to Him and lay this burden on the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you can realize the God who moved heaven and earth for you, sent his one and only son for you, to let him die on the cross, he wants your trust. If you trust him, if you follow his ways, not what you desire, not your plan, but if we submit and let God take reign of our lives and truly rule over our lives, not because we have this, this strong inner confidence of our own, but the Lord who supplies His strength. And when we trust Him, His peace, especially that satisfaction of the Lord this life is for Christ and if the Lord calls me so be it I'll be even more happy in the blessed state by the Lord's presence is that how we understand this life so whatever it may be that caused you to be anxious why don't we take this time to Lift up that burden off of your chest, your heart, and offer it to the Lord. And He will give you that peace, reminding you He is very powerful and strong. And He will guide you through with His strength, for you can overcome. So let's pray. Let's pray and offer this time to the Lord.
Father, we thank you for your cross. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his love, his obedience, his humility. He's the reason why we have this life. He's the reason why we have this quiet confidence that we'll be forever, for eternity, we'll be with you. We'll be saved and we'll not face the judgment. We will not receive eternal damnation all because of Jesus Christ and what he has done and our hope and trust in him. Is salvation just the ticket to heaven? Is being in Jesus Christ separate from living this world on our own terms according to our plans? Is Jesus competing with the things in our lives? Is our spiritual life separate from our earthly, secular life? Sunday life versus weekday life. Moments we hang out with Christians and moments we are with non-Christians. What does it mean for us to have Jesus Christ in our lives? What differentiates us from the people of the world and people in faith? We face the same problem. We deal with the same uh, obstacles. We deal with stresses and pressures. But Father, we rejoice knowing that we are in good hands. The God who moved to heaven and earth and did not spare his own son will surely come to our rescue and remove all our obstacles. This we believe. And if we believe, Lord, may we live like how we believe. When we pray because the cause of our uh, anxiety and, uh, and there's something that is just seem immovable before us, Lord, when we pray and offer it to you and you will remove, you will give us that peace. And even if you don't, your grace is sufficient for us. Because you will not leave us alone and you will give us strength to overcome whatever it is for us to continue to love you, follow you, and serve you according to your plan. Our faith backs up how we operate in this world. The theology comes alive in the way that we live our lives. It's not a head knowledge that has nothing to do with each and every day. That head knowledge, the knowledge of God and what He has done for us and who we are, therefore, will change everything we do and how we carry ourselves. We can be content, satisfied, at peace, with confidence, no matter what the world throws at us, what the enemy would do to attempt to bring us down and sway us, take our eyes off from the prize. Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What a promise. What a promise this is. And as we do fully trust you, fully devote our lives to you, as we do rely on you and trust in you, your strength will be on full display for all to see and glorify you. Let that be our lives, Lord. Help us to 
see right through the truth and live by the truth, not the lies of this world. Help us not to compromise and make it convenient and comfortable. But Lord, wherever we are, because you placed us, that's where we need to be. Help us to look to you and build this relationship. Keep you first. For you will help us to do so with your strength. Father, we thank you. As we go from this place on, whether it's our workplace or home or school, wherever it may be, may we display your strength for we wholeheartedly trust you and follow you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.